uh, had her come down to speak uh, at the women's retreat, and then she was in the pulpit. And the moment she was speaking in the pulpit, I felt like the Lord said she's a friend of the house. What I mean by that is you have guest speakers who, are, who come to uh, feed the body of Christ. Then you have keys, key connections, key relationships that help expand the vision and, and advance uh, the kingdom of God in a local church. And I recognize that, that Paula was a friend of the house. And so um, about a year later, I was in a place of a great discouragement. And uh, um, I'm going I'm to get these right. Yeah. And I had uh, allowed the vision that God's given to me for you and for this church and for our, our uh, destiny together to just drop to about 50 percent in my heart. First time it had, ever, it had ever happened. I thought, well, we'll just have, half of the vision will be good enough. And the Lord spoke my name to her, woke her up and said, call Jonathan and tell him. I said, fulfillment, not half. And then last year I was going through something quite difficult. And again, the Lord gave her a dream and woke her up with a dream. And it was about me and us, uh, about a full pot that is so full. It just hasn't boiled yet because there's so much in it. But it's going to boil. God has used her as a prophetess to speak encouragement into me and into this house. Just like we just studied the book of Haggai, where God sent his people back to rebuild the temple, to restore their worship and their dignity. And they got discouraged. But it says they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai and Zechariah, the prophets. I want to say that that they're, they're dead and gone and in heaven. Their turn's over. Now it's our turn. And I want to say for us and in this day and age... Paula Frigerson is a prophetess who has been called to encourage us so that we can prosper by the prophesying of Paula Frederickson. Amen? Yes. Amen. So let's welcome Paula and Shelly. If you'll introduce her as well, you have a word. Thank welcome, you. friend. Thank you. Well, we were just rejoicing that you would be here for Jim. Oh, me too. Oh, that's just wonderful. I... Uh, I would like to turn on the microphone. Thank you. <laughs> I, um, I would like to draw attention because Paula um, has an incredible gift of clarity and um, activation. And that's um, crucial because to have the two combined. And so, Paula, one of the things that happened before you came to one of our retreats is the Lord downloaded a book to you. Yeah. And that was our retreat two years ago. It was. And uh, we're very thankful that Paula's put it in a book. And it's not only the most powerful testimony you will ever read, but it's also a workbook with clear strategies for your breakthrough. So I can't stress enough. Many of us already have this. And we're working through it, and we keep bringing it up, and it keeps being a part of our church. But I noticed there were several here that may not have this privilege. So it's on the book table, and I really encourage you. And if you've ever had a stirring in your heart, maybe to put your own testimony in a book, this is also the woman you want to connect with. I had a dream of Paula and Holly before they came down, and Paula had feathers in her back and I was puzzling for a long time but they were actually quills they were pens and I really believe that you have an anointing Paula to to release books 
to release, yeah. as Katrin taught us in her workshop, we have a story mm-hmm. that is his story that needs to get out there for the yeah. fullness of the body. So thank you. And Paula, I want to also in welcome the, one of the most beautiful women we've had to come down with you. Last time you brought Bethany, and this time you brought Holly. We were so privileged to have you, Holly. And... and And this is not the last time we're seeing you either. Okay. God bless you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Shell. Is that my water? water. I'm just going to put it up there. Good morning. Hi. It's so good to see everyone. Um, So, Jan, you're going to give me a five-minute when I'm about done? Okay. Get my attention. Um, So I'm going to talk this morning, um, the title of my message is Larger Than Life, How to Experience a Life Expansion. And it really is just kind of going off of what the ladies did at the Women's Advance. That's really what we talked about was advancing and destiny and going forward into all God has called us to. So, um, Lord, I thank you for um, helping me to um, say what you want me to say, to forget what isn't going to (laughs) matter, and to... um, just deliver a word that impacts every one of us, God, and we thank you that it will. We thank you, Lord. Okay, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to share with you four points about how to experience a life expansion. I like things that are practical. I don't do well with messages that are like ethereal or vague or out here. I like, give me something to do or, or explain it to me, and every time I hear a sermon that's a little bit ethereal, I always think, well, like what? If you don't give me the like what, I really will not know what to do next. So I'm going to give you all the like what's. Okay, so the first point is get in the game. To have a life expansion, you need to get in the game. And I was thinking about um, the Bishop football team. So I live in a small town, as you know, so the football team is everything, right? It's everything. Friday night football games are the whole deal. The, The entire town is there. Okay, I mean, really, at the homecoming game, I think we actually literally have thousands, which is the whole town. Everyone goes. And I love going. And I was thinking about the players as opposed to the spectators. And the players, they're fit. They're strong. They work out. They have team camaraderie. So I want you to find yourself in one group or the other. Hopefully, it'll be the first group, but let's see. Okay, so team camaraderie, right? You're all like, man, you've been in the, ga- you've been in the trenches together. So there's camaraderie because you've all experienced this game together. You're playing. You're falling. You're scoring. You're hot. You're sweaty. You're scarred up. You're uncomfortable together. You're, like, exhilarated with victory together. You're agonized in defeat together, Right? You're captivated by the game. Your mind is all twirling and swirling around the game, the game, the game. The game is risky. To play the game is risky. You might be the star on Friday night, ready with the ball, touchdown! All the girls are impressed with you after the game, right? Or you might be the guy who fumbled. Oh, the defeat, oh, the embarrassment, the agony of it all. You fumbled the ball. Everyone knows. All the dads in the stands are like, he fumbled the ball, right? Your parents are slinking down low. Ah, but, but you're in the game. You're, you're in the game. And, and only your team members really know the feeling of fumbling the ball. It's the team members that are saying, oh, dude, it's okay. We'll get him next week, right? It's only the spectators that are like, how could he fumble the ball, right? 
how can Mattingly take out the pitcher and put in a new one? If you follow the Dodgers. Anyways, but like, you know, it's only the people that are the spectators that can't, they don't even get how that happened. They don't even get how that failure happened. How did that failure happen? They're outraged. Well, it's because they're spectators. They're sitting on cushions, right? We bring cushions to the game because, you know, the bench gets pretty hard after a couple hours. That gets pretty uncomfortable sitting on the bench, right? The, the stands, how uncomfortable could that be compared to the players? We're relaxing. I really like the chairs that have the back built into them so I can lean back and not have a sore back. And we get burgers, cheeseburgers. We get Cokes. We get chips. This is a big deal for us because we're like all, you know, healthy eaters. And so it's like a big deal. So we have, we're sitting with our blankets and our cushions with our hamburger and our chips and our Coke. And it's just so, so relaxing. And we know the major players in the game. We know them because we watch them every week. So we know them. We know what they're about. <laughs> we're socializing during the game, right? We're, we're not all about the game. We're, we're enjoying the game. But we're socializing with each other, too. We're, hey, hi, you know, we're, we're having a good time. And the other thing is, we leave early if we're losing. <laughs> right? Third quarter, after the cheerleaders, which honestly, it's my favorite part, you know, when they do their, like, their main cheer at halftime, that's kind of what I'm waiting for, just to be honest. And so after all that, and if, if we're winning, if it's an exciting game, oh, I'm there. I am staying to the bitter end. But if we're losing, if it's a wipeout, I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's go home. You know, I'm, I'm a chilly. It's a little chilly. I'm a little uncomfortable. And then when I go home, I pretty much forget the game. I don't think another thought about it. My head is not in that game. I'm not about that game. I'm just enjoying the whole atmosphere. It is not risky. It is not risky. So if you find, like, yeah, I am mostly about comfort. Yeah, I, I am mostly about um, critiquing the game that others are playing. You might not be in the game. So, today's your day, though. Today is the day where it could all change for you and where you're like, I'm, get, I'm getting in that game. I want to be hot and sweaty. I want to be tired. I want to be exhilarated. I want to have camaraderie with the team. And sometimes you're like, I'm just on the outside. I just don't feel part. They're so clicky. I just, and sometimes people are clicky. But I really believe that um, in church, that's not a big problem. You could say, no, Paula, you're wrong, and maybe I am wrong. But I feel like what is interpreted as an in-crowd or a click are just people who are down on the, they're down on the field. They're in the game. And you're like, well, I just don't feel camaraderie with them. We'll just get in the game. Get in the game more and you'll feel it. And then you'll realize, well, there's not an in-crowd. There's just people who are playing and there's people who are watching and critiquing those who are playing. Yeah. Okay, this quote I heard on 60 Minutes. Everyone wants to be under the lights on a Friday night but they don't want to work out on a Monday morning. <laughs> Isn't that good? And then a Bill Johnson quote, dreams become the real estate that God occupies. See, if you dream of being a football player, the only way for God to occupy that real estate is for you to get out on the field and be a football player. And the only way for you to be a football player is for you to show up on the mor Monday morning at the weight room, right? To go to practice. In Bishop in the summer, you know, it's like it can be 110 degrees when it's really hot. Do you know the football team is still out there practicing? So um, one thing I was telling the girls yesterday was one of the keys to fulfilling your destiny is do today what you'll be glad you did when you wake up tomorrow. That, that is a key that could literally take you one step at a time into what God has called you to do. Do today 
what you'll be glad you did when you wake up tomorrow morning. What is it in your dream, your destiny, your call, the thing you want to do, the thing you enjoy doing, what is it that you could accomplish today? It doesn't have to be everything, just one thing. And you will, you'll wake up and you'll think, oh, I'm so glad I started writing that book. Oh, I'm so glad that I planted that thing I want to plant or I did that thing I want to do. Okay. <clears throat> um, and then as far as that football team, this is the thing. Pursuing your dream and your destiny, living a full and a large life, having a life expansion, it'll show. I mean, you're not going to be, like, well-preserved in the grave. You're not supposed to arrive that way. You're supposed to arrive worn out, used up. Yeah, take care of yourself. But I was thinking about, you know, how I wanted another baby and how that had been my dream. And then God gave me that. And then I had an even bigger C-section scar than the one before. And then I had dark circles under my eyes because she didn't sleep that well in the middle of the night and I was up with her and I nursed her so I mean I was up with her every night two or three times till she was like 15 months old and um and I had dark circles during that time under my eyes and I thought well these will go away I'm only 32 and that no that was it there we there now when I put on makeup it's like I put on a layer and then I put on another layer and I like keep trying to leave the house without the dark circles and it it it, it, it ain't happening okay they're there <laughs> they're because of Amy <laughs> Amy caused those. Andrew caused this. <laughs> I have burn marks um, all up and down my arms from just cooking, all the years of cooking. I love to cook. Cooking is one of my passions, one of my dreams. It's one of the things I love, 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 love to do. And, I'm, and I've cut myself, and I've got burn marks, right? Life just takes its toll, or sleepless nights. I've had, I have had to walk through, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, tremendous anxiety to fulfill my ministry. And the girls who shared this weekend, oh, you could see it all over them. We call it, our church, we call it the um, ministry diet. Because, like, you don't sleep, you don't eat, you can't, you can't function while you're preparing your thing. When you're not used to standing in front of people, it's nerve-wracking. It's awful. And so for the ministry opportunities that I've walked through, the bigger and the better the opportunity, the more the anxiety that I've had to pass through. And that has taken a toll on me, frankly. It has. It's taken a toll on my body. And, I'm, and, I've, and it's worth it. I'm in the game. I'm, I'm kind of scarred up from it. And I, I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. Okay, the second point is see what up till now has been invisible to you. So to have a life expansion, I want you to know that you will have to see something that's invisible to you. The Lord has hinted at it. You've had some prophetic words. But it's not really. It's vague out there. And you're walking towards it, right? And I want to give you an example of my friend, Jamie Weston. He is a hero to me. He has um, meant a lot to me because we connected when I was still in the middle, smack in the middle of my headache illness. And I didn't realize that he also was really smack in the middle of his. And so we had two chronically ill, very ill, very sick people who were both very, very addicted to um, narcotic painkillers. Okay, so we connect, and it was so cool to watch each other's journey because we kind of journeyed really separate paths, but we both came out of that, that chronic addiction, which just has you living in a house with the window shades closed, and you're just waiting to get better, and we came out into life. We're on different paths, but still, we're both out there. So his story is that he had four years of pain and addiction and no life. 
He um, has degenerative disc and joint disease and a fused neck and severe arthritis. So he is in pain every moment of every day, all right? And so he, um, he's in the middle of this, uh, of this fog of addiction, the fog of chronic illness. And if you have chronic illness, you know. I mean, it just gets you in a spot where you just think, just... I'm just going to wait until this gets better, and then I'll go forward in my life. Because, for goodness sake, God does not expect me to go better with this. I mean, to go forward with this until I'm better. This is too hard. And in, in people who suffer with chronic um, pain, I, I feel you. I know. I just kept thinking, I just, I, I'm, I'm just holding steady. I'm just going to try and live through today. And, and I'm not going to pursue God's call in my life right now. Right now, I'm taking a time out so that I can lay on the couch in, in the drug haze and hope one day I might get better. Okay, so that's where Jamie was. And then he heard the story of Bob Jones, um, where Bob Jones had an encounter. I believe he actually physically died, went to heaven, and the Lord said, have you learned to love? And that set something off in Jamie that he now had to know that he know that he knew that he had learned to love that he had loved people. And it's like this shift took, took place. And, I, you know, it, it'd be easy to say, oh, and, and Jamie had a moment, boom, and then the shift, boom, just pivot. But that's not how shifts often are. Sometimes they can be. Usually it's like one agonizing, painful step at a time. He began to walk this out. And he began to, he started by bringing water, socks, crackers, and conversation to homeless people in his neighborhood. It was just the smallest steps. And so I said to him, so like, were you still in like pain? He's like, oh yeah. Oh, I was in agonizing pain. But he said, I could be in pain at home or I could be in pain fulfilling God's call in my life. I was going to be in pain regardless. Right. And so he said, no, I said, I just started to go out and give some crackers, some socks, some things that the homeless people needed and really someone to talk to. They needed someone to talk to. And he said he didn't have any money to give away. I mean, he's on disability. He is, he's disabled, but he had love. He had conversation. You know, he could do the small things. And then he would, he would begin to pray for people. I don't have money, but I'll pray for you. Well, the coolest thing happened is he began to pray for people. The Holy Spirit showed up. And, I mean, people would be weeping or they would be shaking or they would get dramatically healed. I mean, God was showing up. And, I mean, I think it was a surprise at the extent to which the Lord showed up when Jamie would pray for people. And so at that point in the journey, I was like, so, because I, you know, I do, I'm a glass half full. Sometimes I have on rose-colored glasses. And so I was like, and so how was your pain then? And he's like, oh, horrible, horrible. I was still in pain every moment of every day. Like, that's not the Cinderella story I was hoping for, Jamie. And then um, Jamie gathers people from his church in Oceanside. And they, now he has a team, and the whole team is going out, and then they get a tent, and, and they've got a tent set up, and they're ministering to people all the time. There it is. There's Jamie. They're ministering to people all the time. They're, they're out there, and God is moving. God is healing. This, this thing is happening. This thing is gaining momentum. It's, it's a glorious thing. And so... I mean, I've watched this progression over the last couple of years, and then just when I was interviewing Jamie just the other day, and I was like, so how is your pain now? And he's like, I'm still in pain. I'm just doing it. I'm just doing it. And, you know, he's like, I, sometimes I have to take a nap. Sometimes when the other guys are out there, I have to rest, and I have to give my body a break. He said, I'm still in pain every moment of every day. But he's just doing it. 
he's just going forward and doing what God called him to do. And it is such a glorious thing. I, I always thought, well, you'd wait until you were no longer in pain. Or you'd wait until you were psychologically better or that your emotions were better or whatever it is like I'd always want to wait until I go forward and all God called me to until I just have my ducks a little bit more in a row I mean I know I'm not gonna be perfect but maybe closer to perfect than I am and you know what there is no closer to perfect it's not it's it's like the end of the rainbow that you can never get to every time you get there you're like oh it's just a sidewalk where is the end of the rainbow there isn't one you know what how you are now and who you are right now it's good enough for you to just start walking into it. Just start stepping into it. Jamie said there is adventure in exploring the power of God's love. There is adventure. Who likes adventure? Okay. There is adventure in exploring the power of God's love. He says Psalm 62, 11 and 12 meant so much to him. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. Power and love. He said power and love have to work together. And now this is cool. Listen to this. He said, so the place where your action, socks and crackers to homeless people, and prayer, the place where your action is motivated by God's love, power and love belong to you, O Lord. He said it creates a gap. Your action motivated by love creates a gap and the gap is what god fills if you don't create a gap there's nothing for him to fill okay so it's your action with god's love that that comes in to help you love people right authentically and wonderfully and give them what they need that creates a gap and what has god done he's filled it so jamie's just creating this gap and, and God is coming in and doing exceedingly abundantly over all he could have thought or imagined. People are leaving that little tent different than they walked in. And it's everyone from the hoity-toities on the beach to the down-and-outers on the beach. It's whoever's just humble enough and in need enough to go to the tent and get prayer. And um, I want to show you a diagram that Jamie showed me, and this was just so cool. The first picture is this is what he showed me. He's like, this was my life before. His life was a large circle. His pain was the dark circle. If you have pain every moment of every day, that's what your life looks like. That's how it is. Okay, and then the second picture, he said, I just expanded. God expanded my life. My life got larger. So his pain is the same, but his old life is, has been so greatly expanded. So he said, my pain is still there. He said, it just takes up less real estate. Okay, now put your pain in that same idea. You could be like, well, my pain is my marriage. Well, my pain is my children. My pain is my addiction. My pain is a physical problem. Whatever it is, if you, you just go ahead and do that. You think about that. You start expanding your life. You start taking steps that God has put on your heart. And you know what? You will begin to see what's invisible. It will become clear to you, and you'll be like, there it is. And Jamie didn't know that's what he was walking into, but here he is. And guess what? Jamie's here today. <laughs> what? Will you stand up? Come on. Yay! Woo-hoo! We love you, Jamie. I know. <laughs> or he may have dropped his phone. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so point three is you need to be willing to pass through the discomfort to have a life expansion. So you need to pass through the sleepless nights before big opportunities. You know, the, and I know the girls who shared this weekend, um, I mean, one of them did not sleep at all, I believe. I believe Amy said she, like, she literally did not sleep. I, again, that Pollyanna side of me is like, oh, well, that, no, that can't stay. I don't like that. I don't want to have that. I don't want to feel that way. And so I'm sure that God will just take that away from me because I am his favorite baby kitten and I won't have to suffer that. That isn't how it goes. (laughs) You will have to pass through some sleepless nights and some anxiety if you're going to step into more and step into more. And every time you go to step into more, and it's easy to be like, that's the devil. I just rebuke that in the mighty name of Jesus. And that's good. Go ahead. Do that. That's not going to hurt anything. <laughs> but honestly, some of it is just you are human and you live in a human shell. And so you will suffer some anxiety when trying new things. Everyone does. Christian, non-Christian, bad people, good people, all people, right? And so you're going to have to. And so I was like, um, some of you know that the, the Lord provided an opportunity for me to be on the 700 Club. And on my way to go be interviewed, I was oh, so exciting, you know. And I'm like, God, pray for this. I stood for this. I tenac- you know, tenaciously pushed for this. And here I am on my way down south to go meet with the, the camera crew. And when they're going to film for eight hours, it's all so awesome and exciting. And I honestly, I was a wreck. I was a wreck. It was awful. I, it, it was fun when I actually was doing it because... Um, you know, I was kind of like, by then it was too late, but the lead up to it, it was, it was, I, I lost weight. I didn't sleep. The dark circles were even darker. I mean, you know, I felt like an, I felt like a wreck. I was like, why are they interviewing me? I'm a wreck. I'm neurotic. I'm, I, but you know what, when you, when you are going through those things, you have to pass through it. And I said to the Lord in the middle of the night, not sleeping for like the third night in a row, I was like, Oh God, you must take this from me. And he said, Paula, you must pass through. And every time you pass through, it'll be easier. And so I want you to know that every time you pass through on the way to your dream, going to the new thing, the bigger thing, the next thing, just pass through the anxiety or the upset or the nervousness or the doubts or whatever, because it'll get easier as you go along. And this is the thing. It's worth it. Do the football players, are they maybe sleepless the night before the biggest game? They are, huh? They're nervous. They're excited. They can't eat, but they have to eat because they need the energy. And ah, right? But oh, when they're out there under the lights, it's so fun. It's so fun out there under the lights, you guys. It's so fun doing the thing God called you to. It's so fun leading the children's movement God called Emmy to lead. It's going to be so fun when you're leading that children's movement. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be so impactful to so many in not only the United States but the world, Emmy, as you lead that and as your stories impact people and as just your wisdom. And it's just a gift, honestly. It's just the Lord has dropped it on you. And when you're out there doing that and you're running that race, it'll be worth every single thing you have gone through every hard thing you have gone through every bit of disappointment every bit of brokenness every tear cried you will say and you stand before the lord and say someday that was worth it thank you that was every bit of it was worth it and so whatever that thing is that god has called you to oh press in press in uh pass through the screaming doubts before you start a new project has anybody else had those the thud the sinking feeling in your chest the doubts that just scream at you and say who do you think you are You are nobody. You are nobody. Who do you think you are? Get your ducks in a row, which is the biggest lie, because who can and who will? And if I'm waiting for that, you'll never do it. Pass through the conflict. Conflict. 
invariably follows church growth, or precedes, I should say. Conflict precedes church growth every time. Every time. I don't know why. Why? Get ready. Buckle up. Why does it? I don't know, but conflict and upset usually comes right before you step into the bigger thing. Can anyone relate to that? You're going to step into the big thing, and conflict rears its ugly head. Press through the fear that others will criticize you. You know who are the worst critics in the world? The people in the stands, on the cushions, with the coats, and the burgers. They're the worst critics on Facebook. Yeah, they're the worst critics. They're the ones who want to pick on you, okay? Because you're in the game doing something. And the thing is, you might not even be doing a great job in the game. I mean, I I heard a sermon recently where where the gal said, like, If you're trying for your dream, you can't fail. It is impossible for you to fail. And I just want to be like, oh, no. People do not believe her. (laughs) Like, no, no. You will fail. It's, It's guaranteed. Unless you're perfect and none of you are and I'm not, you're going to fail. Okay? But you're going to have to get past the fear of what other people will think of you. Okay? And you're going to have to pass through the attacks because you're going to be attacked. You mean I've... I would be attacked if I just shared my testimony on the 700 Club about addiction. Well, that's no big deal. I could be attacked. (laughs) Yeah, because you've shown you're not perfect. So when you stand up to share your marriage story or your failure story or your child-rearing story or your infidelity story or whatever it is or the bad things you went through, you know, you go to share those things and, yeah, you are going to get attacked. Well, that's not fair. No, it's not fair. It's not. But it'll make a man out of you. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Make a man out of you. Uh, Here's a quote. Dread suffocates the pure atmosphere of dreams. Randall Worley. Dread suffocates. Think about me taking a pillow and suffocating. Dread suffocates the pure atmosphere of dreams. Oh, and uh, that's happened to me before. I start dreaming and imagining, and God is moving, and oh, my gosh, yes. And dread just comes and suffocates it. You can't do that. You'll fail at that. You won't be good at that. You're, you're not good enough for that. You're not knowledgeable for that. Okay, and then my last point is um, enter into the supernatural swirl of creativity to have a life expansion. I don't know what other people call this, but you're going to recognize it when I talk about it. This is what I call it. It's the supernatural swirl. (laughs) Yeah. So it's found in God's presence, but it's not a prayer time. The ideas come quick fire and must be written down immediately. They're almost dreamlike in the way that they dissipate quickly. It's a place of revelation, extreme joy, and endorphins. It's the swirl of creativity. It's a supernatural swirl of creativity. And it's a place of expansion. In other words, that's the place where you get the idea for the next book. That's the idea where you see a tent. Oh, we'll have a tent. We'll put it in Oceanside. It'll say healing prayer, whatever the first thing is. And then you're like, no, it should say something else. And it, right? And it, that, it's that place. That, that the swirl, and then you're out there and you're like, and I can see people coming to the tent, and I can see them getting healed, and then what if God shows up and then he's going to heal cancer and he'll heal addiction, he'll heal, the, right? The swirl 
Or with me, um, with my first book, after my publicist was done publicizing um, The Man You Always Wanted, I thought, I'm going to publicize this sucker again. I am not done getting the word out about this. And I thought, how can I do that? I'll come up with a different hook. So the first hook was very titillating, and it got all the media excited to interview it. But then I thought, what can I do? And I, I came up with this idea called Lifelines for Valentines. And it was just like three points to have a great Valentine's Day with your husband. It was so schmaltzy. I hate Valentine's Day. I really do. But I was like, I'm using it. I'll use Valentine's Day for my, to sell some books. <laughs> and so I'm out on my walk, you know, and I am out, you know, I'm five miles back. And I always have a pad of paper in my pocket when I'm walking. And I tell you, I entered a swirl of supernatural creativity that lasted about a month. It was so fun. It's where the ideas come so fast. You almost can't be like, oh, God, this is so good. <laughs> it's just so whirling, and it's so exciting. And you know what? That's not at all just something that's unique to me. I know many of you could say, yeah, it looks different. Maybe yours isn't walking. Like, I only prepare sermons when I'm walking. I literally cannot sit at a desk. I have to be walking. That's where my swirl is, <laughs> right? So find your swirl. Where's your squirrel? Because your squirrel might be swimming. It might be hiking. It might be at a desk. It might be on your face. It might be while you're soaking. It could be while you're at work. Hopefully not. But you know what? Like, just find your squirrel. Maybe it's when you're cooking. Maybe it's when you're in the shower. I don't even know. But you know, there's a squirrel for everyone. And you enter it. And you begin to have these ideas. They are so much better than what you could come up with. Come on. They're so much better. And so I just want to encourage you to enter in. And then um, I want to pray for you guys, and I want to release a prophetic word that the Lord gave me for you. And um, <clears throat> he showed me a, uh, a vision. I don't get very many visions. It's not really how I hear God. But he showed me a very clear vision of harvest. And it was, uh, you know, tomatoes and carrots and pumpkins and just all kinds of beautiful, large vegetables. And... Um, Sorry. Is that better? Okay. And um, so he gives me this vision of harvest, and he says, the rain is over for now. And the rain represented God's tender, loving care, his growth, his teaching. Um, you know how God will take you through hard places, and he'll, like, correct you, and, ah, you know, he'll chastise you because he calls you a son, and there's hard growth times, and there's character development. You know how we all go in those seasons where it's just, like, you know, kind of hard but also glorious because you know he hasn't given up on you. <laughs> like, oh, you're still talking to me about this character flaw. Thank you, Lord. And it's just such a good thing. Well, that represented the rain, growth. And the Lord said, now is the time to harvest what has been sown and what has been grown. And he said, in the harvest, I will expand your fields. And this is why. Proverbs 10, 5 says, he who gathers crops in summer is a wise son. But he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. The Lord said, I'll expand your fields as you gather in the crops. Because it'd be easy to say, well, I'm going to wait until there's more. And when there's more, we are really going to get to harvesting. And the Lord says, harvest what has been sown and harvest what has been grown. And I'll expand your crops. And you'll show yourself to be a wise son. So, um, can I close in prayer? All right. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We, um, we believe your word of harvest. 
And Lord, I just release that word over um, the Gathering Place Church. I release the word of harvest. And Lord, you told me to release this word and you said, Paula, your words will not fall to the ground. And I will show them that it's harvest. And so I release, I boldly release this word, Lord, because I'm in the game. I'm not a spectator. And so I'm going to boldly release this word. And I'm going to say, Gathering Place Church, it is a time of harvest. It is a time to gather what has been sown and what has been grown. And that time of character development and some kind of um, inward growth, that's over for now. And now is a time of of picking (laughs) and there's going to be some things that you pick and you're like whoa that's way bigger than what we thought and there'll be some other things you pick and you're like oh man that's small but the lord had said to pick it now and not wait till it was bigger he said no go ahead and harvest now and if you're a wise son i'll give you more land and you'll have more of that and so thank you lord that they are going to harvest and that as a church, they're going to harvest what has been sown and what has been grown. And in individuals, they are going to harvest. And so, Father, we release faith over Gathering Place Church. Faith that would say, like Jamie Weston, I'm not waiting for my pain to go away. I'm not waiting for my marriage to get better. I'm not waiting for my kids to not bug me or need so much. I'm not waiting until I'm the right weight. I'm not waiting until I feel better emotionally and I don't have these wounds, but I will begin to harvest what has been sown and what has been grown, knowing God that you will give me more as I begin to harvest. I'm not going to sit back on my heels anymore. And I also feel like the Lord says, Um, There are several of you that very much connected with the spectator and also the critiquing. You felt kind of convicted when I said that. And so, um, Lord, I thank you that today's a new day. And um, I will just tell you that I have done it. I have critiqued and criticized my leaders before. I have. I've done it. And, um, and I repented, and the Lord has forgiven me every time I've done that. And he's just shown me how much he loves them and how much he loves me, and it's all okay. And so even if we don't agree with everything our leaders do, we can support them and love them. And so I thank you, Lord, that you forgive it. You wash it away. It is a new day. It is a new season of harvest. We praise you. We thank you. We believe you. Amen. Amen. Do we receive that? Yeah. All right. So I want to do one last thing. I believe this was spontaneous. Uh, I mean, no, it is spontaneous. I believe it's spontaneous. But I, what I believe is, um, I just want to do what I feel like the Lord wants me to do. Can I have all the ladies in the house stand? I just want to pray a blessing over you of empowerment and release. Husband, sorry. They're going to be harder to handle now than they were before this prayer. I just want to lift the shame.